Project Sapient is a podcast meant to engage our brothers and sisters in the law enforcement and military communities in conversations that we all know we need to have. All opinions you'll hear are our own, are protected by our First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and in no way reflect or are meant to reflect the opinion of any specific agency, officer, or service member. Some opinions may be controversial. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Hi, men. Hello, Pete. How are you, sir? Uh, you know, the same old. Same old, same old. Same old, same old. What can I do for you today, buddy? Well... Don't answer that. Yeah, no, you don't want to. Fucking savage. (laughs) Guys, Project Sapient, we want to thank you for making us the number one law enforcement and military podcast on the planet. Thank you to everybody in the tens of thousands of listeners we're getting. We want to thank our supporters, Vector Shields, Jim Junkies, HavocJournal.com, and our partners at the Weekly Havoc Podcast. They're pretty cool, too. Second Mission, Live Boston 617, WellnessForWarriors.Live, ODKit, Eagle Eye Firearms, MA.com, GunTrack.app, Hule-Law.com, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and now we have Joint Operations, the badass motherfuckers from there. Yeah, so... Uh, Talk to me a little bit before we get them on. Yeah, um, so if you guys, uh, our listeners, listen to the Clyde's episode, uh, we did a short inter- intro uh, to them, had uh, Bill, uh, one of the business partners, Bill Duggan, come on. And- I mean, Cleary's. Cleary, sorry. What did I say? What are you smoking today? Did I say Clyde's? Clyde's? Where the oh. fuck is Clyde's? Oh, you, oh you, well, Clyde's is a good player. That's why. <laughs> Uh, but we'll get them on and uh, we'll have them. But anyway, so yeah, it was Clary's. We did a quick, uh, it was the Vet to Vet event and they're a veteran owned company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, real, really good guys. Uh, I like their mission. I like what they're all about. So uh, let's get them on. All right. Hold on. So we have on the phone, it should be Todd Sullivan and Bill Duggan or is it Dugan? It's Duggan. Duggan. All right, guys, how you doing? Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah. All right. So thanks for coming on the show. Um, you've heard about us, obviously, you know what we're doing, you know, military and law enforcement. Um, thank you for being a supporter. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. I mean, uh, Bill, Bill or Todd, whoever wants to go first, go for it. I guess I'll go first. Um, so my name is Bill Duggan. Um, I'm a founder of Joint Operations, veteran-owned canvas dispensary. Um, I got started, I was, uh, I did 20 years in law enforcement. And when I was heading out the door, retiring, um, I was talking to a friend of mine about what my next uh, business venture would be and where I'd go from there. And he said, why don't you open a veteran-owned dispensary? And I've had a lot of friends because I was also uh, 10 years in the Army. So I had a lot of veteran friends that were suffering from PTSD, the effects of PTSD with, you know, the sleeplessness, depression, and everything. And I know that some of, the, uh, uh, some of them were getting uh, benefits from the cannabis and also family members as well. So from there... Uh, with my friend Mike and his partner Todd, who's here with us, um, they steered me in the right direction with their company, Canapreneur Partners, and uh, off we went. Awesome. Uh, so, so uh, real quick, uh, I, I think uh, Bill, you you asked me earlier if uh, you know interview questions or whatever, and we just kind of go with the flow. So, so there's really uh, no set standard that that we do. We just kind of let it go organically, just just so. Yeah, everyone's on the same page here because we, we tend to go all over the place. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of AD, ADD. Yeah, yeah. So, so Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I'm a, a lifetime lifetime entrepreneur. I opened my first business at 18 years old and put myself through college with it and spent most of my grown-up life, I guess, uh, in public financial markets, with stocks and bonds and investing and 
I've owned and operated a series of businesses on the side during that time. And in 2016 or 2017, when cannabis was legalized in Massachusetts, you know, I looked at this as, you know, I'm 53 years old. And uh, this is this is a re- reincarnation of the Internet, only bigger as far as the financial opportunities for people. But like a lot of other people at the time, I kind of looked at cannabis and like, well, you know, I was told my whole life it's a gateway drug, right? And yeah, yeah. Do I want to? So I want to make a lot of money doing something that might be a negative for society, right? Or cause yeah. people to use the cannabis. The next thing you know, they're on heroin and cocaine. So I, while I relish the opportunity to participate financially in a, on, a, on, a, on a moral and a social level, I was very hesitant. Right. Uh, but the good news is now that we, several states have been legal for almost a decade, we have a lot of data. Yeah. And we can actually look at the data. And we can actually say, you know what? Everything we've been told about this plant is, is essentially wrong, right? Yep. And as I studied that data and as I looked at food, I said, you know what? This is a unique business that you can, you can make life-changing wealth. And at the same time, you, you, you can help people and you can save lives. And by increasing the distribution of this plant to people, there are massive legal benefits that we are, we are finding more of every single day as, as legalization these states goes on and on and on in more years. So at that point in time, I, I knew that this is, this is where I wanted to be. Um, I walked into the offices here. I met Mike. I said, I want to be involved in this. I, I made an invest in the company and raised some more money for it and then joined the team full time last year. And then when, when Bill came to us with the idea of the veterans and the dispensaries for Mike and I, it was, it was an immediate no brainer. He, Mike's a military kid and, uh, I had two two grandfathers in the military. I had a father who worked for the the FBI for thirty years. So I have law enforcement and military in my background, and um, it was an immediate guess for us. And the question of like should or should we not do it? It was how do we do this and how do we do it and make the most positive effect for most people. Uh, and so that's what we're trying to do with joint operations. And you know, hopefully in Q one, both our dispensaries are open in Menden and Raleigh, and we can start uh, we can start helping the best. Yeah, and and listen, guys. Whatever we can do to get it out there, I mean, we have a we have a national listenership, uh, but uh, obviously heavy in Massachusetts too. But whatever we can do, I mean, we can put it on our Facebook. We can mention it in the shows. Whatever, whatever you guys need, because what you're doing, like when you were talking, Todd, I was thinking, and I think I've said this to Bill at um at uh the the Cleary's event too. Uh, I was kind of the same way. I had no idea. And, you know, I grew up from 20 years old in law enforcement and all we heard was weed is bad. Weed is bad. It's the gateway. It's the this, it's the that. So I didn't know any better. Um, and like you said, over the years with a lot of the data coming out and then seeing it legalized in Massachusetts, seeing what kind of difference it was making in a lot of people that I know's lives from, you know, without getting into specifics, I had people that have been in chronic pain and haven't been able to get two, three hours of sleep a night. And then once they started taking, you know, some certain gummy products or whatever, um, you know, you'd see them the next day or, you know, after a week or so you'd see them and they'd be smiling for the first time in years. Mm. And you're like, you know, what the hell happened? Oh, I'm starting to sleep. Mm. I'm starting to, you know, it's very therapeutic. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people aren't realizing. And it's, it's not about a recreational type of use. It's not, Hey, let's go get high and, yeah. and well, fuck, there, fuck well, around. Well, there, there are those that right. do that. And then there's the other side. Yeah. But it. those you have know? always done it. Yeah. Yeah. Those exactly. will always do those, it. Those will never stop. And I it, say it all the time. I can't wait for it to be legalized on the federal level because still as law enforcement, we still can't consume yeah. it. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, and even even yeah. yeah even even at the VA, there's still a battle going on right. because federally it's still illegal. And uh, and I think Bill, you touched on it about about you know veterans uh, suffering from PTSD, especially after 20 years of war and and you know when 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 the fall of Kabul happened and all of us that raised our right hand uh, because of September 11th, that was kind of our uh, our war, right? That 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 right. the government abandoned all of a sudden, right? And because they just. Uh, I got my own. <laughs> Before I get myself too worked up, there being a bunch of pussies, basically, uh, and decided to uh, to pull out instead of doing it the right way, the Kitty. way we, we, we yeah, the way we we know the right way to doing it, you know, morally and ethically on on how to how to take care of our allies. But um, but like to me, uh, those two weeks, I think uh, Bill, we talked about it at Clary's. Those two weeks was like bad for veterans, right? It's still bad. I mean, it's still. Uh, veterans all over are suffering, and uh, right. and it, it it it's unbelievable. So so, uh, one of you guys can answer because uh, actually, Bill, uh, what I wanted to ask you was your experience in the military and going to the VA and what that was like, uh, just so our listeners get a sense of sometimes the VA doesn't do everything that really needs to be done. Right. Right. So you, I think you hit the nail on the head. That event that you guys did, the vet event, was outstanding. Um, John O'Brien called me and said, you want to participate? I said, absolutely. Um, it was a real um, troubling time for everybody, the vets. And I had a lot of friends that I was in Afghanistan with calling me when we saw the news. And, you know, kind of devastating. Just like you said, you felt abandoned. Like, what did yeah. we work for? Yeah. And I don't I don't know what the stats were for the depression rate, the suicide rate, if it, went, if it spiked at that time. Or, but I know it affected a lot of people. I know uh, I was getting a lot of phone calls. So, um yeah, my time, I did uh, 10 years. I was in Afghanistan, 2010, 2011. Um, and I got out in uh, 2012. So, um, what was what know. was your MOS, Bill? Uh, 31 Bravo, I was an MP. Okay, your MP. Okay. Well, and uh, which which part of uh, Afghanistan were you? So, yeah, I had a good, I had a good, well, when I went over there, we, we were going to be doing a, like a PTSD gig. Yep. And um, that transitioned into like a customs thing, which we were pretty upset about. But oh, it ended yes. up being very yeah. <laughs> a lot of people transit. So it ended up being great because uh, I ended up traveling to small, small teams, even two man teams. And we went all over northern Afghanistan. I'd just take off for a month or two and, you know, hit, hit all my checkpoints, hit my fobs, points of contact, do my customs gig. And then I'd hang out with all kinds of cool dudes. So just picture me like I was hanging out a month with SF. I hooked up with some guys from Tenth Mountain, some guys I knew from New Hampshire. We would just hang out, and I'd get to go roll out on missions with them. I ended up doing a lot of fun stuff. So, oh, that's cool. Um, it that, ended up being, being, being not that bad. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. That's quite the experience. So, like with me and Iraq, as, uh, yeah. As a, civilian, as a civilian, I don't equate the word fun in Afghanistan. <laughs> 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 that's that's typically what what we call fun for for uh, most civilians are like that. That doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> so so uh, Todd and, and Bill, one of you guys can can touch on this. So kind of uh, keeping it more towards the veterans, uh, to our veteran listeners who who uh, actually sorry, Bill, I I think I, I cut you off. But uh, about the VA now, like we're gonna fast forward. You came back home, and what was it like when you came home? Yeah, so when I came home, uh, you know, what I found out was, and my brother, um, he was, he's an older Marine, um, <laughs> so there's some rivalry there. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, but, he, you know, he was in the VA. Actually, interesting story. He was over there the same time I was, 
and uh, I was there, and, and I got a call. Like, I landed in, in uh, Bagram, and he, and he was texting me going, yeah, we got to hook up. You can hang out with me and my guys. He was with a sniper platoon. And I said, uh, next thing I know, I guess I get a call. He said, yo, your brother's in the hospital in Bagram. I said, what? And I said, I think he was already back from his mission. So I, I didn't know if he, like, got drunk and got in a fight or what. But yeah. turns out he got, he got a really bad. Well, first they told me he was had lung cancer, which was completely wrong. So there you go. The hospital was like, completely misdiagnosed. Ended up being a, uh, a weird lung infection uh, called sarcoidosis, and it's from breathing in all the crap. Uh, yeah, uh, from uh, from the burn pits. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. he ended up going home, and I saw his his you know you know his his experience with the VA, how he like his wrong diagnosis, long turnarounds, like waiting for this, waiting for that, and he didn't have a good time. Yeah. Um, so you know, I see all that. We, we did a podcast um, about two months ago with a vet um, and he was too scared to use his name. So he went by a pseudonym and he talked about PTSD when he was in Afghanistan and he went to the, the medic in his division and, or wherever he was based and said, I'm having these dreams. I'm having a hostility. I'm having anger issues. He was getting in arguments and fights with people and uh, they prescribed him a medicine for it. He goes, here's what you can have. And they gave it to him and uh, he started taking it and he got worse. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. Yeah, he looked at the jar, and, and the first the first risk factor or side effect is 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 outbreaks of rage. Um, that actually so, sounds like something the VA gave me once a long way back when. And that's what they gave to him. Yeah. So he came, so he he stopped taking it, and he just suffered. He suffered because it was the guys that get this or nothing. This is what I can give you. So so he took nothing, and he suffered until he went home. When he got home, he lived in the state of Georgia, which has no a cannabis program that's highly illegal on a recreational level, went to the VA. They tried to give him the same medicine. He said, this doesn't work. It makes it worse for me. The guy's like, this is what I can give you. Jesus. And he's like, what about cannabis? I have friends that use cannabis that work. He goes, don't mention that word in here. <laughs> and that was it. So that's what our wow. government did to help this guy. Yeah. So he ended up doing what a lot of people do, forced it himself. He's got two degrees now. He's running a business by himself. He's highly successful. This was a person who was going down the road of alcoholism, cocaine, and other types of drugs to mask the pain and to help him sleep on it for PTSD. That if it was not for cannabis, he looked at me and said, I would be dead today. I believe it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I believe it too. I mean, I, I it's know. Not a, it's not a unique story. Yeah. I mean, I, I have had a close friend of mine. Uh, we were deployed together in Iraq, and uh, he actually lives in, in Massachusetts, and he. Um, I was away on missions in Mosul. I come home. I come home. <laughs> More like I come back to base. I <laughs> didn't go home, but I uh, come back to base and uh, and find out that he he's just gone. Uh, he had a like a severe spine injury uh, while over there, and uh, I didn't know about it. But you know, later learned and um, caught up with him a few years later, and he's had a hell of a time. One hundred percent disabled. Uh, walks with a cane. Has a has a has a service dog from the VA, but. He is a big proponent for cannabis for veterans with yeah. PTSD and other ailments because he was hooked on opioids for so long because yeah. they were just prescribing opioids and all kinds of junk mm. in him. He was like he was like a fentanyl fiend pretty much yeah. because because that's the way they managed pain back then. We all know what happened with freaking big pharma and 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 hash, you know, given giving out Skittles worth of, uh, of Oxycontin and Oxycodone and perks and whatever else. Um, he, he, he suffered and he still suffers to this day. 
Yeah. Well, as police officers, how many times have we seen overdoses, right? And, it, you know, they get into heroin and meth, but it all started with some sort of opiate prescription for some yep. sort of back. Yeah. 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 I, I was saying it to a friend of mine who's a doctor the other day, and he's gotten on board with the whole medical marijuana. And, he, you know, he was sitting there telling me, look, look, this is the way I was trained. Right. And, and I hate to go into like the conspiracy aspect of these things, but mm-hmm. he's like, this is the way the AMA does it. And I even said it in one of my rants. It's it was a Rockefeller Institute type. Oh, of, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when Rockefeller came out and said, this yeah. is how medicine's going to be. It was yeah. legitimately to push pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we can go down a rabbit hole about that, but that's the way the standard was for a hundred years, say. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame a lot of these doctors, right? They went through medical training. This is what they were taught. Some of them opened their eyes and they started seeing things. And in the conversation that I was having with them, I said, you know, when you watch TV and you watch all these commercials on TV and they have, you know, this high blood pressure medicine and this medicine. <laughs> and, and the that list medicine, of, uh, you're going to die. <laughs> and the list of side effects. Yeah. Can you tell me what the side effects are going to be on medical marijuana? And he looked at me and was like, dude, there's probably none. It was like, well, other, ooh. Uh, other, than, other, than, other than eating four bags of chips, maybe <laughs> you, you, you'll get fat yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, I, I don't maybe know. you'll get the diabetes. But, <laughs> yeah. But like, he was like, wow, that's a great point. Yeah. He was like, the person that's on depression and they get certain depression medications, they tell you it might make it worse. Yeah. You might die. You might die. Every single prescription that's on a commercial is, you may experience death. Yeah, but, sudden death. Um, I don't know if I should take this then. And so, and this <laughs> yeah. guy, and he's like a world-renowned type of surgeon. You know, yeah. he's a thinker. He flies all over the world, and he was yeah. like, "Wow, that's such a simplistic but a great fucking point." Yeah, yeah. Here's, a, here's, a, here's an interesting point. Every single poll that you will find, uh, the, the reasons people use cannabis. Anxiety, depression, pain, psychosis, and sleep disorders. Those are the top five. Different orders, but those are the top five. And Having a good time is like 10th or 11th. You know what the number one prescriptions in the U.S. are written for? Anxiety, depression, yeah. pain, psychosis, and sleep disorders. Right. But but he, yeah, I mean, I mean, here, here's the thing, like, Todd. Like, like we all know, but though, with with you know, like like going to the VA for me, and I'm sure Bill can attest to this. Uh, when they give you the rainbow rainbow pills bottle where you're just taking all sorts of different things and they're trying to yeah. even you out and and like you know Todd I think it was uh, you who said it Todd a, a friend or, or no but that was Bill who said uh, they, they gave him a particular medicine and it was the same with me um I felt I was getting angrier and I was like really yeah. Yeah. like I couldn't control my temper anymore even though I'm Lebanese, so that makes it even worse. Oh, God. So, it should so, have a label, yeah. not for Lebanese people. Yeah, exactly, and and the temper really got bad, but the doctor tells me, and he says, oh, yeah, one of the side effects is is, is becoming psychotic. I'm like, what? I was like, so why it? are you giving this to me? Yeah, you give me something that could make me go psychotic? I was like, you're out of your mind. So, so it, you know, it's like, but but that's the experience veterans face at the VA all the time. You know, and and it's it's one of those things where uh, even even Bill, you can you can attest to with with PTSD, you can't just take one pill for it, right? There's no magic pill. It's a process. It's a process. It's it's a therapy process, and it's a it's a it's a pharmaceutical, if you want to call it process. But different pills do different things. Versus, why not have one medicine, one medication, so to speak, cannabis, where it will hit all those symptoms? Well, I I think of it, and guys, tell me. 
my, my thought process, tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. But like, I look at medicine and, and the body as holistically. Yeah. Right. We know that like one of the biggest contributors of our health is sleep. Oh yeah. You know, sleep, hydration, the basics. When you're not getting good sleep, things can go wrong. Yeah. So medicine never looks at anything whole body, holistically. No, they, they look at everything. Dissect it. They dissect it and it's, yeah. it, and, and it's treatment for, you know, your high blood pressure. It's not treatment for your high blood pressure and your sleep and your diabetes. No. So my thinking, and I'm not a scientist, but you know, I'm a science geek. My thinking is if you can treat the fundamentals, the foundation of somebody, mm-hmm. then most likely a lot of these symptoms are going to go away. And I say that because, and I told you about this, I just went through a stint where I was up for 48 hours, mm-hmm. not because I have insomnia or anything like that. It was just what was going on in my life dictated that I had to stay up. Mm-hmm. I just slept today for four hours and I feel like a fucking train wreck. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I said to myself, if let's say I had a night off tonight, if I had a night off tonight and I was able to mellow out because I'm still kind of amped up with everything going on. Yeah. If I was able to mellow out tonight, isn't that treating me holistically? Yeah. And then I go in and I get some sleep and I'll probably wake up feeling a lot better tomorrow morning. Yeah. You know? So that's a, that's an amazing point that you just made. And um, it really works. The holistic approach of treating everything, not just the one specific thing, and then creating four more problems, you got to treat with different drugs from yeah. that thing. It really goes down to how cannabis works on the body. I'm not sure if everyone knows, but every living organism with a central nervous system has what's called an endocannabinoid system within that. And what that does is it regulates your body functions. It regulates your fear of flight. It regulates sleep. It regulates things like insulin production. It regulates things like sugar and diabetes and things like that. Wow. Well, it gets out of whack. It gets out of whack. And that's when you have things like diabetes or you have pain problems or you have sleep disorders. What cannabis and CBD do is CBD and cannabis, the THC, go directly to that system and they put it in what's called homeostasis when they regulate it. So they, that's why it helps you sleep. That's why it gets rid of the dreams and PTSD. It stops that dream sequence that wakes you guys up with these horrors or these horrible visions that you can't get rid of. Cannabis gets rid of that because that means your body's out of homeostasis. My mother has had diabetes for 25 years. Her A1C one has been over 7 for 25 years. The only reason she gets the blow is because of medicine. She started taking two drops of cannabis about a year ago to help her sleep at my direction. Her A1C one now is 6.7. Wow. Her doctor stunned. He's like, what have you been doing differently? She's like, well, I sat in the house for a year and a half because of COVID. I drank more than usual, and I ate like shit. My A1C one should be 9 or 10. It's 6.7. He's like, what have you done differently? She's like, I take cannabis every night, two drops in every time. He was like, wow. Yeah. So that's what this stuff does. It's a whole body approach. You just blew my mind. Point. Yeah. Pete, Pete, you brought a good point up that I just want to bring this out, uh, being both a uh, police officer and military. Um, you know, the PTSD doesn't just affect, everybody thinks PTSD and they think soldiers, Marines, and so forth. Oh, in, um, law, in the law enforcement community, law enforcement, it's bad. Fire, EMS, and Pete just kind of go, since I've retired, I'm sleeping great. Uh, there's nothing worse than doing doubles. I tell people all the time, I'm like, imagine being at work and you're coming to the end of your eight-hour shift, say, at 11 o'clock at night, and someone said, you need to stay another eight hours. And people look at me and go, that's crazy. Who would, who would work 16 hours in a row, you know? Yeah. And the lack of sleep is, is, is does a real um, real number on uh, first responders, police, fire, and that, that, those sort of people. I, I, I was saying it, and I was debating it with somebody in um, 
without giving their info in headquarters, let's say. And I said, well, why don't you think about making it kind of like the alcohol policy? Yeah. Like you can't be on duty and have alcohol in your system. Yeah. Why can't we do that? So what do you guys know? And again, I'm not, you know, leaning on you like you're the scientists and you're the doctors. I just, I know you have experience. Does the stuff stay in your system? Does it affect you for 12, 18 hours? Or is it like, you know, mild therapeutic type of thing where it stays in your body, does what it needs to do, and then you're fine? It really depends on how you take it. So a gummy uh, will affect someone from four to six hours, right? That's, and that's just, it really depends on how fast your liver processes that gummy, right? Uh, a drink will affect you for a couple hours because obviously the drinks go right into your bloodstream. They're not digested through the system, so they have a, a shorter onset and a shorter offset. A joint will affect you for a couple hours. Uh, again, rapid onset, but also more rapid offset. The problem with cannabis and why some of these rules are like that is that there's no set rule, right? It really, it really varies from person to person and body to body um, how they process the plant because it really depends on what their body needs, how the plant is absorbed, right? And how it's absorbed and by the endocannabinoid system and what effect it has. And what we haven't been able to do yet is say, you know, Phil smoked a joint three hours ago. He's driving his car. Is he okay to drive? Right. There's no test for that. There's no breathalyzer for it. Now, THC will stay in your system for 30 days, but there's no actual effect on your body after that initial offset. So you're saying the, the signature of the THC stays in your system? Say again? The signature of your of the THC stays Correct. in your system. It's not Correct. like it's actually affecting you. Right. There's no effect in you whatsoever. It just, in a blood, blood test, will pick it up for, it's, again, and even that's 20 to 30 days, depending on the person, depending how much, et cetera, et cetera. But there's, it's just, it's just trace amounts. There's no actual, you know, it's like, um, like if you get a, a virus, right, you'd be all fine with it. But a month later, you can still test positive for the virus because it's floating in your system, but there's no effect if you want it whatsoever. It's kind of like you're shedding the virus sort of thing. Got it. Um, well, that's like so COVID. That's the that's, that's, the, that's COVID because I, I tested positive for COVID, yeah. COVID uh, three three weeks ago. It was like nothing. You know, I felt like I had a cold, but that's about it. Yeah. But uh, I was told I can't retest because the virus stays in my system for and tapers right. off eventually. Right, right, and that's part of the part of the um, uh, building up. What's it called the um, sobriety test? No, uh, you can't catch it. Um, I'm totally oh, I'm, I'm immunity, immunity, immunity. Yeah, the immunity. That's part of the immunity process of the body. That's how the body works on this. Yeah, yep. You know, THC is the same. It's in there. It's not doing anything to you. It just takes a while to shed. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, it's funny you say that about the FS. You know, field sobriety tests and stuff like that. So a few years ago, when when cannabis uh, was starting to get introduced in Massachusetts and it first became legal um, after medically, then shortly after it became completely legal recreationally. I went yeah. to a training as, as a police officer uh, to the Cannabis Commission. They held a, this training for law enforcement basically on, on you know, the ID and stuff like that. And, and mind you, they never told law enforcement that there's a medical marijuana ID now. <laughs> So, right. so real quick story. I, I'm driving at night. It was, it was an overnight shift. I was working boo. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I go into a parking lot. I see this car idling. It's kind of odd. It's a, it's a, it's a church parking lot. It's like, eh, yeah, what, what are you doing here? 
So I go check on him, and it turns out he, uh, so he, he was smoking marijuana, and he said, oh, I, I got a medical uh, marijuana license. Now, in my head, I'm like, dude, you're full of shit. They don't have What the hell those. is this? Yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm like, I'm thinking, man, I'm like, dude, you're full of shit. I was like, they, when did they, when did the state come out with this? Because yeah. I would be one of the first to know. Little <laughs> did I know. Little did I know when I go into my cruiser to fact check, I go on the internet. Thank God that, you know, we had internet at the time. Uh, we, you know, we still do, but I, I had my computer. I bring it up and sure as shit, the state rolled out a medical marijuana card and we were never told. Does that surprise you? No, it doesn't surprise me, but I'm looking at, I'm like, holy shit. So I ended up having somebody come pick him up because I'm not going to have him drive since he's been smoking in the car all right, day, right. all night. Um, but I had somebody come pick it up, but, but at this training, right, they're going over the license and all that stuff. Now that's not what we were worried about. We, our main question in law enforcement was, what are the field sobriety tests if we end up pulling somebody over who's high on marijuana and, that shouldn't be driving? Right. And what are the tests? And what, what's the standard of impairment exactly. is, is, is yeah. my we, question. We asked all those questions. Right. What is the, they had no idea. Because I'll, I'll put it to you this way. There's been plenty of times where you walk up to a car, yeah. right? And you, yeah. get, you get the whiff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you look at the person and they seem totally fine. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, officer, I smoked fucking four five, hours yeah, ago. Yeah, four hours ago, yeah. And they look totally fine. Yeah. Right? In my, in my head, using common sense, where the fuck is that gone, right? Yeah. Using common sense, I say to myself, this person's not impaired. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same thing with alcohol. Yeah. You know, you can look at somebody and be like, they look impaired. It's actually a foundational thing in our OUI yeah. laws, the, yeah, the exactly. first observations and all that. Yep. So, guys, Todd and Bill, has there been, because again, you guys are, you know, knee deep in this stuff. Has there been any studies? Has there been any uh, call for legislation on, you know, impairment and when you can drive and when you can't or operate heavy machinery or, and I'm getting, I'm asking these questions because it comes back to when can we use it? Well, uh, like with prescription drugs, like if, if you're on some sort of anxiety meds, it has, says it right on the label right. not to use while using heavy machinery or whatever. So, And to add to that, if you go out injured and you get on pain medication, yeah, right? You're out injured. You oh, can't yeah. you can't have a firearm. No, you can't. You know, so that's why I'm asking these questions because there's a lot of these questions in law enforcement's mind right now. Yeah. And it's it, I mean we have two experts on here. Yeah. That that can tell us all about this. So whatever you guys think you can input, you know, guys are eagerly waiting for this stuff. So uh, British Columbia just just I think within the last month just had a massive study come out on driving um and impairment and cannabis laws. And, and they have found that since they legalized cannabis on a federal level in Canada, that there have, were no increases whatsoever in auto accidents uh, from legalizing cannabis. And what they did find was the accidents that they did have were of less severity and less injury. And the reason is people on alcohol in all tested studies tend to drive faster and closer to the car in front of them. People who are high drive slower than the speed limit and have too much space between a car in front of them. So, <laughs> so, so if there is an accident, it tends to be a fender bender, not, you know, some guy going 80 miles an hour and rending somebody. That's actually a funny. It uh, is funny, it, but it's a, true. Yeah. Hey, did they, did, they, did they put it like in a cartoon to make it even funnier? No. <laughs> and regarding the field sobriety test, my feeling is you just walk up to the car with a hot pizza and open it. They just reach for it. They're stone <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Well, they do. They, well, they do have somewhat. So when you get DRE certified, they cover uh, marijuana, right? So yeah, they, yeah, they, they right. do. But, I, I'm not DRE certified, but, but, but I know. It's but those are uh, the DRE expert, experts and law enforcement are few and far between. And you'd have to wait. You know, you'd have to call a neighboring city, town, whatever, yeah. uh, put it yeah. out on 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 the uh, statewide uh, radio and ask, hey, I need a DRE. And there's also a time limit that a DRE uh, tell people what a DRE is. Oh, uh, drug recognition expert. So officers go to an extensive school uh, studying the effects of drugs and and the human and, and stuff like that. It's a very very well done, very thorough that's, school. But that's why they're so few because it's such a hard class. Exactly. I mean, you really get into the chemistry and into the biology, physiological. It, it, it's actually an incredible uh, course for those who, who do it. But again, it's few and far between because it, it, it's it's labor intensive. You're actually doing homework, and cops hate doing homework. Oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck that. But I, <laughs> so so they so um, even the DREs actually in that conference were asking as a DRE, what are my guidelines? Yeah. They, what, what were they, they getting? Nothing. <laughs> Dude, they got, they, got, they, got, they got roundabout answers. It's really a tough thing because with alcohol, you know, we, alcohol is, is uniform, right? Yes. Uh, its effect on people are rather uniform. Uh, you know if you have X number of beers, X number of shots, X number of glasses of wine, you shouldn't get in a car and drive. Yeah. Right. I can have 10 joints, all with 10 completely different and wildly different THC levels. So Bill smoked at a 40% THC joint. Me smoking a 10% THC joint, Bill's going to be stoned out of his mind. I might be buzzed, right? Gotcha. And there's no way we don't have the technology yet to be able to determine, because right now you can only determine it with a blood test. Yes. The level of THC, the level of impairment in somebody. Now remember, THC and cannabis affects everyone differently, right? So I, me and Bill could smoke the same joint. He could be impaired, and he would be because I've seen it happen. <laughs> and I could be perfectly fine because that's how my body processes it for whatever reason. So, so that was that was my yeah. question, right? Like, and, and not to bring her into it, but my wife, she's a hundred pounds, right? Let's say I smoke X X Y Z THC, right? And then I give her some. Her body is going to process it differently than mine. So, 100%. so the the data would you would it be safe to assume that the data the data is still very abstract as to how we can determine you know, levels of impairment? Oh, I don't even think it's that direct. I think it's almost non-existent at this point. I mean, other oh. than other than trying to have a certain kind of conversation, I mean, really, the, the easiest way to, to, for me to judge if someone's been smoking or not is to have a conversation with them, yeah. look at their eyes, and see how they move, right? And that's really it. But that's, that's, you know, that's not going to hold them in court, right? At least stop when he walks. Well, exactly. Right? So exactly. What? There's no, as of right now, there's no clinically accurate way to determine impairment from cannabis of somebody. I think that's a lot of the problem with the driving issue. I'm not advocating anybody drive taking anything, right? But yeah, right. that's the issue with it. And, you know, again, we can smoke the same thing. I could be perfectly fine to drive. You could be out of your mind stone. We can't quantify that in a simple test, right? Yeah, yeah. God, I want a gummy right now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, but here's the thing. So so us as cops, we 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 work off probable cause, right? We're not mm. we're not there to to do the conviction, all that. That's all on court. Okay. So yep. so to me, um, because I actually arrested somebody who uh, who smoked marijuana. He actually almost ran over uh, this uh, this uh, a lady crossing a crosswalk on a re- you know it was his red light. And when I pulled up to the car, yeah, the smell, all that. He had like five boxes of pizza. <laughs> which was like, oh, dude. <laughs> but uh, but I asked, uh, you know, I asked him, I'm like, hey, uh, 
you know, at the time, it was, at the time it was already legal recreation, whatever. He told me, oh, I smoked like 20 minutes ago. I'm like, ooh, dude, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah come on yeah. out. But I ended up arresting him for OUI drugs uh, because I felt he was impaired enough because he didn't even, he blew right past that red light, that old lady that was crossing sure. the road. He could have hit her. So so those were like an extreme circumstances. So for me, my probable cause said, yeah, yeah, he was impaired. Whatever they do at court, that's up to them. So curious, what yeah. if you can tell us what had happened in court? I never got summoned. And actually, actually, what ended up happening, actually, no, sorry, I did get summons for a suppression hearing. Right. Uh, because, which is normal. Which is normal because that's what every defense attorney knows. They try to suppress evidence and all that immediately. Yeah. And actually, the judge ruled in my favor. That you had PC. That I had PC. Okay. So he ended up pleading out and got probation and whatever. But oh. they, they were hanging their hat on suppressing the evidence because I gave an unlawful exit order, but I didn't. Yeah, you gave your exit order based on the impairment. Exactly. Wow. And, and the judge ruled in my favor, which I was surprised. I honestly thought yeah. that, you know, they were going to throw it out. But I think it's because if if I just pulled him over just to pull him over and I, I lock him up, OUI drugs, without any... Uh, compensating the, factors. Compensating factors like the running of the red light, right. the old lady crossing right. the road, all that stuff. That is what led the judge to that decision. So yeah. so, so I, I at that point, I was like, oh, you know what? This judge is right i mean he almost you know t in my eyes he almost hit a lady he ran a red light and he was 20 minutes into smoking a you know uh, weed and which he around, willfully admitted to you which he willfully admitted i didn't i was just like oh all right you know so i just so locked he, him up if, if he had admitted he smoked 20 minutes ago what he probably would have walked, right? Uh, yeah, probably a ticket. I'd give him a ticket yeah. for uh, for red the, red uh, the red light. And 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 my, my main concern wasn't so much the red light. It was that lady. Oh, she, actually, it would have been the red light and uh, crosswalk violation. So you're talking close to $400 type ticket. Right. Now it just cost yeah. him thousands in court. Yeah, now it just cost him thousands in court. But again, it, yeah. you know, people don't, don't understand that. Uh, I, I think there's a big also misconception in, in the public between what does operating under the influences of alcohol? Yeah, that's illegal. Oh, but operating under the influence of drugs, right. no one really knows because we don't really arrest a lot on that. And, uh, and to me, after like, you know, what, 14 years as a cop, and right now I'm like close to 18, but at the time, no, actually it was before then. I think I was like 10 years as a cop. That was my first OUI drugs arrest ever. And, but, and I haven't had another one since then. And if you think about it, for most people, they they understand because it's been hammering your head. Don't drive on drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. But yeah. how many people out there are taking prescription drugs every day to say don't operate a heavy vehicle and drive it anyway? Yeah. Oh no yeah. No. Right? And in, in, in my exactly. yeah, in my city, we had a major accident. Uh, this this lady was was prescription drugs, but she took a whole bunch of lorazepam. <laughs> And she ended up getting charged OUI drugs anyways, because yeah, you, you took a lot more than prescribed. You're driving around and you wrecked two telephone poles, <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah, you're, you're going to get arrested. What? Well, I've taken my, exactly. my prescription. Yeah. But look at what it says right here in the prescription, you know, like, you know, the warning labels. So I'm curious to see, like, uh, I think it was Todd that had mentioned it about the, the study in Canada, yeah. how the, 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 
the accidents had stayed the same or gone down. The accidents were less severe and all that. I'm curious to see if they've done any studies on prescription medication with that stuff too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, uh, do you think Big Pharma would want a study? Suppressed. About- Suppressed. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? The what is it? Purdue and those big guys, Pfizer. They would have. They would have their scientists discredited before 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 the ink was dry in the face. Oh, I know. I know that, yeah. that that's the fact. And uh, yeah. so so brings me to another thing about street level narcotics versus a business owned uh, cannabis uh, dispensary. We all know as, as cops on the street, the street pharmacist, we call them <laughs> drug dealers, AKA drug dealers. Um, they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. All they're doing is just taking the product, chopping it up, doing whatever they're doing with it and then selling it to in, in the black market. You don't know what you're really getting when you go out on the streets. That's why there's like oxys that are in reality fentanyl. That's why you get Adderall that's in reality meth. You get mar- uh, marijuana that's laced with cocaine and you got marijuana right. laced with fentanyl. So to me, an actual business dispensary would be the safest way to go if somebody wants to go and use uh, uh, marijuana recreationally or even for medical reasons versus medical, like with opioids, right? A lot of these guys that couldn't get their pills anymore would go to, into the black market, right? think they're buying oxys. You can't say that anymore, by the way. What? Illicit market. But yeah, you can't say black market anymore. I don't, whatever. All right, it's a, it's a black market, <laughs> okay? Jesus. <laughs> It's like, yeah. I have like, an interesting, um, like if I have this theory and I, I, I brought it to Todd and I bring it up all the time when, when people come in, bring this kind of issue up is, uh, you know, when I was a cop, um, you know, I used to have this theory before even uh, that cannabis became legal that they go, oh, it's a gateway drug, gateway drug. And I was like, you know what? It really isn't a gateway drug. It, it is in the fact that because you have to go down to the, you know, bad parts of town to try to find you know to find their weed dealer who is also the coke dealer heroin dealer or knows the coke dealer heroin dealer that's how they get introduced to that underworld of the drug scene you know yeah so, he's looking at you as a client what else can i sell this guy oh yeah exactly he'll start with weed and then later on he'll 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 nudge you in the in the in his direction where he makes the yeah. biggest bang for his buck so my love throw, throw, throw you a free bag let you try it out exactly. yeah. so that's what made it a gateway drug you know just because it got introduced now that like you know similar to, to going to an alcohol uh, like an alcohol store you go into a reputable uh, establishment that like you were just saying sells what you, you know is going to be you know quality merchandise so when got- you legalize adult use cannabis in your state opioid deaths will fall about 20 percent i i can, I can see that, that. yeah i, yeah, I can see that CDC. that's from the cdc Oh, really? From the CDC? Okay. From the CDC. Alcohol sales will fall. Alcohol drunk driving deaths will fall. Alcohol crimes will fall. Alcohol-related abuse will fall. Uh, There are some studies that even show spousal abuse falls when you legalize cannabis in your state. Yeah. Dad's not getting drunk, coming home, and smack a mom around a little bit. The the societal benefits of this plant are stunning when people actually sit down, take the time, and look at it. The U.S. Department of Education, one of the biggest concerns people have is if I legalize cannabis, every damn kid's going to be smoking pot, right? Every kid's going to get hooked on it. I, I haven't seen that, actually. The, the U.S. Department of Education just did a massive 10-year study. They have found in the last 10 years there has been absolutely no increase in teen use of cannabis. So that's over a 10-year period. If you go back to the period when uh, the first state, Colorado, legalized adult use cannabis, teen use has actually fallen over the last seven years. Wow. Yeah. Why? 
you, you take it off the street corners, you put it in a dispensary where you regulate it, where it's safe, people know what they're going to get. But honestly, it, it becomes less profitable for the drug dealers to deal. They stop dealing it. Yeah. It's not as available anymore. And so, I mean, we, we have the data now. If anyone wants to find out the truth about this plant, just look at the data. We have it. It's out there. You just want, you just, you have to be intellectually honest and have an open mind and not realize that I believe this for 20 years. Maybe what I believe is wrong or maybe what I believe is not accurate. And just look at the data. Well, the data I, was made of truth. I've, I've watched this outstanding documentary uh, called Reefer Madness. Uh, I think it was made in yeah. the 20s, uh, yeah. where, where everybody turned into a hey. uh, zombie. Uh, no, literally, it was like, no, no, literally, it was like uh, Night of the Living Dead, the old school one, yeah, the black yeah, and white yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. That's what it looked like. It was like, and it was Reefer Madness and all this shit. I'm like, and that's what people believed. It's the, the devil's 20s. flower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what people believe for the 20s, tw- uh, you know, and, you know, I. I'm making a joke about the documentary, but all I saw it was like a comedy skit, honestly. Yeah. There are there are there are government documents that say part of the reason cannabis was made a schedule one um, drug on the uh, from the DEA was because in the seventies they were worried that cannabis like reefer magic is gonna make you crazy. They were worried in the seventies that's gonna make everybody pacifist. And the Russians and the communists are going to come and beat us and take us over. I believe it. I believe it. I yeah. Give it to the U.S. government. I believe it. 100%. As much as I love our country, they do these fucking stupid things, man. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question. Again, because there's... I, and, and I'm kind of an in-between between you know civilian people that I know that are on the fence about doing stuff like this. In dispensaries in Massachusetts, I know that it's heavily regulated. It's not oh some God. Joe Schmo growing no, shit in his not. backyard. No, it's not. Can you tell people about anything with the regulations, or the quality of stuff that they're getting, just to open people's minds a little bit? So every piece of cannabis you buy in the store, A, is tested for quality, tested for mold, tested for pesticides, tested for anything that should not be on that plant. And we have what's called seed to sales tracking in the state, meaning when the seed is in the cultivation, when it grows into a plant, when it's cut, when it's shipped, when it's sold, the Cannabis Control Commission can track that seed until it hits the consumer's hand. No wow. kidding. Every single one. It is quite possibly, I would argue, the most regulated industry, other than maybe banking, in the entire United States right now. There is very little. We have, inside of our dispensaries, have 30 to 40 cameras that monitor every action that goes on in that dispensary. And... The CCC has a direct feed to those cameras. So our regulator at any time can tap into our cameras and watch what's going on in our dispensary. No kidding. Wow. Or the production facility. Yeah. And if your cameras go off, you will get a phone call with a minute from the CCC. Why is camera seven in this room off? No kidding. Really? I didn't know it was that uh, in depth. It it is. If you think think you're in a highly regulated industry, Come to cannabis because you ain't see high regulation yet. I'm telling you right but now, this it's, is a good thing. But but it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a good thing though. That that's why you're, right. yeah, you're getting good product. Yeah, everything on those shelves is tested. Every batch is tested for quality, purity, et cetera, et cetera. Wow, wow, guys. It, it, I am awesome. so glad that we've got these guys on here because yeah, there's no, a I've lot been, of people that ask me this stuff. Yeah, and, and same with me, and, and especially veterans, and especially yeah. combat veterans who are also law enforcement. Bill, Bill, you touched on it because we, as, as a profession and as combat soldiers, we hit get hit with PTSD on both sides of the fence, whether it's oh, exactly. us, us, what we've experienced overseas through combat, through what we've seen, and now 
law enforcement, you know, having that, that baby die in your arms or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, rescuing whoever you got to rescue and it ends up not working out, shooting, whatever. Um, we get exposed to that every day. Well, there's and, definitely an overlap, right? I mean, what was it like, you know, I mean, what was it like getting in a Bearcat right, coming out of a Humvee? Right? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. It was, uh, to me, the Bearcat is my Humvee now. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so many parallels to it. But, but, but I find, um, as, as, a, as a cop, I'm in that Humvee every day, so to speak, yeah. right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm out there working versus when I was in combat, as soon as I come back inside the wire, I'm sort of good to go. Yeah, I'm still in a hostile territory, but I'm, a, I'm still good to go. Where these days, even going home, wherever, if I have that badge, that's a target. Well, the difference is this is home. Yeah, exactly. And you're, you're protecting the homeland here. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. And yeah. like you said, every night I get in, it's, I feel like I'm getting out of the Bearcat. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's personal almost. This, this, is, yeah. this is why we love and what you guys have done and what you had to do and the condition to operate under. This is why we love law enforcement and veterans in our dispensary. You guys know, hey, these are the SOPs. This is how we do A, B, C, and D, right? Yeah. Same thing in dispensaries of growth. Hey, you got to do A, B, C, and D. You can't go off on your own and decide to do this because you know what? Something bad happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You right. Follow directions to do what you're supposed to do or there's a negative outcome. Yep. In the field, obviously, it's way worse than the century, but you do in the century, you get the century shut But it, so, it, it translates, you know, yeah, it, it, it crosses it's a, over. It's a direct skill set that we love and we need. So that's yes. a great segue because like I've been waiting to touch on, like, so joint operations is going to focus on, um, I won't try to focus, at least as far as I'm concerned, is going to be, we're going to be putting veterans to work. And I know Mike, you heard um, Todd's extensive entrepreneur background, getting veterans to work, right? So yeah. whether working in the dispensary or helping them do something else or working with companies that put veterans to work as well as all of the, uh, so you already know, I hooked up with, um, uh, 22 Mohawk. Yes. Veterans to go jump out of planes, anything to relieve the stress to help with that PTSD. Yes. As well as, um, I have, um, rifles of rods is taking efficient and I'm also working with Mike right now. I think we already did one event where we're putting veterans, uh, on the racetrack. You know, if they're looking for a rush, looking for a adrenaline rush, they can find it that way. If they want to relax, we'll take them fishing. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the stuff uh, you know, twenty two more Dave's doing and, and stuff that you're doing, it's 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 unbelievable to me. Like, it, it's amazing because at the VA, yeah, they they try to do what they can, I guess, but there's so much red tape, right? Yeah, there's so much like, well, we can't do this, and 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 you know, it's funny people always cry about universal health care. Well, you know what? Why don't you go into the VA and see how the government runs yeah, the, the hospitals? The true and universal then, healthcare. And then, and then tell me if you really, really want that, you know? But but anyways, before I get, get Talk it. Talk to a Canadian. Yeah. Talk to a Canadian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a European. Yeah. Same, same thing. Yeah. 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 So, so thing is, though, you know, in, instead of self-medicating, you know, to my veterans out there who, who suffer from PTSD, like all of us do, instead of self-medicating, there are different things you can do. You know, you can reach out to people like Joint Operations. you got 22 Mohawks. you got uh, Second Mission with Havoc Journal. You've got, I mean, we have a whole list of organizations that, that, that help us, that, that are supporters, that are willing to give their right arm for you literally you know what i you know it, and it just realized it right and i just pointed it out with my little yeah. stick here yeah um there's everything that we're doing with all of our supporters there's resources there even from vector shields gym yeah. junkies havoc journal uh, joint operation obviously you know fit cops 
every single one of them has resources. A resource and a role with law enforcement and, and law enforcement. Yeah. I mean, uh, military. Law enforcement and law and enforcement. Law enforcement. Yes. Nah, I'm not smoking anything. So I just want to say this one thing. We are hiring at both our defenses right now. We want as many vets as possible, a former law enforcement or whatever, to, to apply for these jobs. Right now, our leading candidate for the general medicine position is a former Marine Corps veteran. Um, go to jointoperations.com. You can apply for a job. If you live in the Raleigh, the Menden area, just looking for work. We pay above average benefits, 401k, tuition reimbursement. If you guys are looking for jobs and know people looking for jobs in those areas, please send them our way. Huge. We'd love to talk to them. Love to talk to them. Huge, oh, That'd be awesome. That Actually, that's, that's something that we're going to uh, talk about offline in, in a few. Um, but but it's great because vet, there are a lot of veterans out of work. There are a lot of homeless veterans out there that are just Absolutely. looking for the help, you know? And guys, so yeah. now we have another minute or so. I mean, you got, you have a large audience nationally. You have a large audience here in Massachusetts. Anything you want to give them, go. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear that last part. So any, we have a large audience in Massachusetts. We have a large audience nationally. Anything, we have a couple of minutes. Anything you guys want to get out to all these cops and these and these military personnel, you have an opportunity right now. Go for it. So I'm, I'm head on it, and uh, you as well, Pete, is that I'm joining operations. And I was concerned, you know, I hooked up with my friends to start something to help veterans. And um, you hit the nail on the head with all those organizations and we're going to try to put veterans to work. Yes. We're going we're gonna to have a series of dispensaries in this state. We want to be in New Jersey, Connecticut, New York. So wherever you are, go to our website, follow us. If you're a vet, you want to be involved. We're going to do mentorship programs. If you're a vet and you want to you have your own dispensary someplace, and you want to come do a mentorship program and work with us and learn the business and learn how to do it. Go off and open your own. Hey, we're, we're proud to back you, uh, but we're available and we're here to help, you know, get vets back in the workforce. If they're having issues, help them out, direct them to where they need to go. Even if it's not, even if it's not for a job, if, if they can reach out and hook up with Bill and he can direct them to guys like you or, or these other groups that can help them, that's what we're here for. We're just here to help and we're here to, you know, we're here to give you guys a leg up and correct a lot of the it really bullshit. embodies the name. A lot of the bullshit you got to go through, for lack of a better word, to be honest. Right. So. Right. Well, what you guys are doing, everything you guys just said to me, it really emboldens the name Joint Operation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's a partnership, right? Yeah. Entrepreneurs, military, coming together. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna work together. We're gonna give you our skills. You guys are gonna give us your skills because, believe it or not, there's incredible skills you guys have when it comes to business and and functions and operations that are so ingrained in you don't even know you have, but it's that discipline and the ability to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. That in nowadays it's, it's, it's a, it's a diminishing skill with a lot of people, a lot of, yeah. a lot of the work. Yeah. So, yeah man, exactly. um, we're very, 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 very hopeful. We have a boatload of veterans that come apply for these jobs and apply for these mentorship programs. That'd be wonderful. Dude. Wow, man. I'm in. Yeah, I think this is one of our best fucking episodes, yeah, brother. Yeah, uh, you guys hold on, and uh, we'll yeah. we'll uh, we'll get right back to you. All right. Yeah, stay on the line, guys. Give us a minute, okay? We'll do. So, I'm in. Joint operations, pretty badass. Yeah, I love I, it. I like it. This info is going to go out to a lot of people. It's going to yeah. open up a lot of eyes, guys. We want to say thank you to all of our listeners, making us the number one military and law enforcement podcast on the planet. We want to thank our supporters, Vector Shields, Gym Junkies, HavocJournal.com, and our partner at the Weekly Havoc Podcast, Second Mission, Live Boston, Wellness for Warriors, OD Kit, Eagle Eye Firearms, Otis, I know I was supposed to call you back, GunTrack.app, Kool-Aid-Law, Fit Cops, and 22 Mohawks, and of course, Joint Operations. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We love you. Stay safe. Stay safe, Ian.